0: Thank you. We continue to worship God um, together, and I think under 15 minutes, that's good. <laughs> I wish, I wish our, our, our nation at large would vote in 15 minutes, get the results, and get on with life. <laughs> uh, we're going to, as we wait for, for Vivian to come through for announcements, I'm just going to show you f- briefly uh, some of Jesus in case you forgot flood Jesus is, has been still around um, so I think you've seen this one uh, but that's flood Jesus cuddling up before bed uh, flood Jesus on the cold wood banner in Germany uh, that's that was sent through to us by Angela um, another one of flood Jesus at the entrance i'm not even to attempt to pronounce that (laughs) but it's a church uh, at the entrance of the church Um, another one I I think you can see what's going on here so flood Jesus for your own information is everywhere but among other places in Barbados as well Um, a lovely one from Nikki there Um, another one of of flood Jesus and grandchildren, we have seen this one as well. And just to say, remember Jesus will continue to be with us. Uh, please feel free to share again in church what, flood, what Jesus is doing in your life. Until next year, flood Jesus will be busy. Um, however, as I've said, nothing stops you from coming forward to sharing what God has been doing with your lives, in your lives, in your family, wherever you have been. Uh, but for now, uh, the flood Jesus concept will be on, on leave until further notice. But Jesus is at work. With that, I would like to invite Vivian to give us some notices.
1: I Continue to be absolutely overwhelmed by the generosity of this congregation. The Poppy collection last week raised £230, and you can still contribute to that today if you wish to do so, if you see John at the end of the service. As well as that, look at the gifts that we have here. An absolutely fantastic collection from you all, so thank you all very much indeed. Maureen said that the vote, they announced the result of all of the votes would be sent to myself later on today. I'll pass it on to Stuart and Stuart is going to put it up on the website. Now, I know that that isn't suitable for everybody. I will send an email out to the Kirk session and I'll contact those of you on the session who are not on email as well this afternoon. And hopefully the word will get around Uh, sooner rather than later to you all. The prayer group will meet today at the close of the service, just down here, if you would like to join us. Next Sunday, there is no service here in Kirkgate because we're having a joint service with our friends in the North Parish Church. It's their last service um, in in that building and they have asked us to join them for that. Their service begins at 11 o'clock, so you've got a little bit longer <laughs> to get there. Okay? There'll be no um, live stream or recording of the service available next Sunday because we're not here. And also next Sunday or before, Elizabeth would like your material for the magazine, please. Another month is coming to an end. The Guild meets tomorrow at two o'clock and we'll have a talk by the Reverend John Carrick about God working in the Middle East. There is also a meeting on Friday in Mansfield Church in Cowinning for preparation for the Guild's Together Christmas um, celebration and another an invitation to St Cuthbert's Guild the following week. But you'll hear more about these at the Guild tomorrow. The Christmas fair will be held next Saturday from 11 o'clock until two o'clock. Tickets for the tea room are three pounds and a pound for children, but entry to the stalls is free, and the church will be open from four o'clock till six on Friday to receive any donations for the Christmas fair. Related to the Christmas fair, there are still quizzes out in the vestibule, a pound a sheet, if you would like one of the two quizzes that are available. And the craft team are still looking for volunteers to decorate the Christmas trees for the Christmas festival in December. And again, there's a list in the vestibule. Um, The craft team will meet on Tuesday from one o'clock and the Bible study on Wednesday at seven. And then there will be the normal service on Thursday. But please remember next Sunday morning, no service here. Um, We're at the North Parish next Sunday and it's 11 o'clock. I think these are all the intimations. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, um, Vivian. We bow down to pray together. Awesome God, you created the world and all that it is in it. You blessed each element of creation with your love you called us from slavery into witness and service. Be with us this day as we gather to worship. Clear our minds of all the distractions which would draw us away from you. Open our hearts and spirits and let your healing and empowering love flow in each and every one of us. Prepare us to be witnesses to your power, to your love, as we use the gifts with which you have blessed us into the service and in many other things. For we offer this prayer in the name of your son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, amen. We stand to sing our first hymn, 550, as the deer pants for the water. Please be seated, and I will invite Vivian to lead us
1: in prayer. Let us join together in prayer. Constant God, as we gather together and gather our thoughts, we bring to mind and to our hearts something that has filled us with praise, with wonder and with awe this week. Maybe the hope of a sunrise, or the glow of a sunset. Maybe the comfort of a cup of tea, or the sound of a friendly voice. Whatever has caught our eye and even our breath, we allow it to fill our hearts with praise, with gratitude and adoration for you, ever-present God. We also allow those things that have filled us with worry with sadness and with frustration, to come to our minds and our hearts. The events or incidents that have depleted our joy, drained our hearts of praise. We bring those to you too, knowing that you meet us here in the reality of life. And for that, we are also grateful, ever-present God. We ask you for your blessing on this time of worship thank you that you are present meet each of us at our point of need and now hear us as we join together in the well-known prayer from long ago our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: I don't know about you, there are so many things that have been happening this week. And I'm sure it's very easy for you or for me to, sh- to fall short of understanding that god is real or god is with us i want to probe your mind even before we sing our next song that god is at work and as god is at work in your life in the world around you to some degree god is looking to use you you he wants to use you and i think Today we're going to be looking into a passage and I was speaking earlier on to George and he said to me, Nigel, why, why give me such a long passage? Well, that's not the exact words, but I won't, I won't repeat what he said. <laughs> but in fact, in Judges chapter 4, we come across two women. One was a leader and another one a housewife, and both of them were involved, they were used by God. Now, in our modern era, in 21st century, people are often tempted to amplify quite a lot in terms of this very passage. But as we look at it together today, the one thing that I want to probe you to think about is how can God use me? how can god use me that question should should be ringing but as you think of how can god use me i want to probe you further and say has god been at work in your life this past week and as he is going to be at work in your life this coming week why don't you join me as we sing lord the light of your love is shining Let's stand to sing together. Please be seated, and now our offerings to the work of God can now be received. want to commend you all for your generosity once again, not only uh, through your gifts of money, the gifts that are before us, uh, and the love you continue to extend, not only to each other, to myself, to my family, to the world out there. In so many ways, you really live out what it means to be a church, and keep up the good work, and may the Lord continue to inspire you not only to give these material things, but also to give your gifts. Some of you sing well, some of you love well, some of you do well the things that are not seen, and for that we are forever grateful. Uh, As a leader and as your minister, I'm so proud to say that's what it means to be church. And for those of you who are still holding back your gifts and talents, Please let them out, let them out. Uh, let us draw near to God in prayer, shall we pray together? God of abundance, sometimes we have to learn how to have faith in the in-between where when they doesn't seem to be enough. We want to give you thanks for the gifts that have been collected, Lord, we do this year after year, not so much because we are clever, not so much because we have got too much. We do it out of love. We do it because we know what it means to receive. We have received eternal life. We continue to receive from you the gift of life. And for that, we give you thanks. So when we pray a special blessing upon these gifts for anyone who will receive them, to know the love of Jesus Christ, to know that somewhere in the world, in sold courts and Adroson, Drosson, are people who are caring and loving. Father God, we thank you for that grace to be able to extend what we have received. I also pray that, Lord, when we fear to share what we have, show us the grace of receiving an unexpected gift of life that we each receive every day. And I want to also pray for the gifts of money that people have given, that, Lord, as we continue to give and give, we realize you are a giver. You keep giving your Son and your Holy Spirit to us each and every day help us lord to also give our talents not only in the church circle but also in the world so that people would know what it means to be loved by god especially we pray a special blessing father god you continue to teach us and you continue to offer yourself to us as we you show us a glimpse of your kingdom and they work within your kingdom. Loving God, help us as we prepare now to hear your word read to us and preached to us. May your Holy Spirit open our inner ears that we may hear, and not only hearing, but we may understand, and that understanding we may believe, and believe we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, Seeking your honor and your glory in all that we do, all that we say, and all that is seen by others as we listen and follow you. Bless all these gifts and many others that we continue to give. All this we pray for and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A fairly long passage, Judges chapter four, from verse one through to twenty-four. George, as he comes, uh, we are reading in the Old Testament, and thank you, George, for being so brave to (laughs) to read such a long passage. It's
2: not really the length, but it's the content. After Ehud died, the people of Israel sinned against the Lord again. So the Lord let them be conquered by Jabin, the Canaanite king who ruled the city of Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Heresheth of the Gentiles. Jabin had 900 iron chariots and he ruled the people of Israel with cruelty and violence for 20 years. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet, and she was serving as a judge for the Israelites at that time. She used to sit under a tree, a certain palm tree, between Ramah and Bethel in the hillside country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel would go there for her decisions. <clears throat> One day she sent for Barak, son of Abednon, from the city of Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, has given you this command. Take 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them to Mount Tabor, and I will bring Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, to fight against against you at the river Kishon. He will have his chariots and soldiers, but I I will give you victory over him. Then Barak replied, "'I will go if you will go with me, "'but if you don't go with me, I won't go either.' She answered, "'All right, I will go with you, "'but you won't get any credit for the victory, "'because the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman.' So Deborah set off for Kedesh with Barak. Barak called the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh, and 10,000 men followed him. Deborah went with him. In the meantime, Heber the Kenite had set up a tent close to Kedesh, near the oak tree of Zanaman. He had moved away from the other Kenites, the descendants of Hohab, the brother-in-law of Moses. When Sisera learned that Barak had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called out his 900 chariots and all his men and sent them from Erisheth of the Gentiles, to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, the Lord is leading you. Today he has given you victory over Sisera. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with his 10,000 men. When Barak attacked his army, the Lord threw Sisera into confusion, together with all his chariots and men. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Heresheth of the Gentiles, and Sisera's whole army was killed. Not a man was left. Sisera ran away to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because the king of Jebon of Hazar was at peace with Heber's family. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come in, sir. Come into my tent, don't be afraid. <clears throat> so he went in and she hid him behind a curtain. He said to her, Please give me a drink of water, I'm thirsty. She opened the leather bag of milk, gave him a drink and hid him again. Then she told him, then he told her, Stand at the door of the tent and if anyone comes and asks you if someone is here, say no. Cicero, was so tired that he fell sound asleep. Then Jael took a hammer with a tent peg, went up to him quietly and killed him by driving the peg right through the side of his head and into the ground. When Barak came looking for Cicera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come here, I'll show you the man you're looking for. So he went into, in with her and there was Sisera on the ground dead with the tent peg through his head. That day, God gave the Israelites victory over Jabin, the Canaanite king. They pressed harder and harder against him until they destroyed him. Amen.
0: Well done, George. You know, part of, part of why we all take part in, in doing something in church, it's not so much that you, you, you then say, I read... You had a confession in George when he said, it's the content. <laughs> so it means he has been wrestling with that idea of, what's in this, what, what is this? Uh, please come forward if you would like to read in the next, in the new year, we'll give you something uh, to read as we prepare. Uh, we stand together to sing, we cannot measure how you heal, 718. seated Deborah or Deborah as some would pronounce and in particular we are looking at how God used her and let me say a few things for those who have not read through some of the old testament you know the book of judges is a dirty book it's one of those dirty books. It is filled with sin. It is filled with violence. It is filled with the judgment of God. It is an action book. You know, that probably appeals to some of us. I know for sure some, some of you love action movies and some don't prefer action movies. If you do like action movies, go to the book of Judges. There is action there. Some of it is not pleasant action. But while this book contains certain qualities that might be appealing to some of you and not for some, the book of Judges is a book that actually, among few, elevates the position of women within the Israel society. And the question we always ask ourselves is who can be used by god who can be used by god in the chapter before us today we are introduced to two women who were used by god and they were used by god in great ways for the glory of god those women of course i've already said are deborah and jael one was a respected leader within the nation of Israel, and the other was a simple housewife who had skills, that she used the skills and the knowledge she had had gained as a housewife, and she used it for the glory of God. Of course, from the fact that one is a leader and the other one is not, you can almost realize that they're coming from different walks of life. The bottom line is they were both used by God in the most remarkable ways. Now, as a preacher, in case you don't know, one of the things that happens to any preacher is that we pres- presume that you've heard God speak to you through a particular passage. You read through the passage, be it that passage up, comes as one of the readings for lectionary, In other words, a guide that is used throughout the whole world that let's preach on this, all of us, so that if you move from one church to another, you find people are preaching on the same. Or as God speaks to individuals, you come to a place where you say, This is what I believe God is saying. Now I don't often take note I don't often preach from the lectionary. But this is one of the lectionary readings that were there for today. And I, as I wrestled with the many passages, I was asking myself, what, God, what do I say to your people? Now here are a few things that I found that God has spoken to me, and I, I believe we need to think about these things. I want you today at the end of the sermon to see how God used a courageous, faithful woman or women to deliver his people from bondage and oppression. And I think to find women in the midst of such a really interesting um, nation of Israel, to find women elevated, it leaves a lot. For us to think about. I would like you to see that God is still using people like these two women. And he's still using people. God is still using people. And perhaps you are one of those people that God needs to use. And at the end of the day, perhaps you could finish your reflection by saying to yourself... God, how do you want to use me? So let's dive in into this complicated and yet interesting passage. In verses one to three, we see the spiritual meltdown in Israel. These verses describe the horrible spiritual condition that existed in Israel at that particular time. And of course, this is happening when Deborah is one of the leaders. In verse 1 we read this, after Ehud died, Ehud was the man of God. He was a leader. And after he died, verse 1 goes on to say, the people of Israel sinned against the Lord again. As if to suggest that Ehud was the man who was guiding them and leading them through. But the moment he died, people fell back to their usual Routines. the children of Israel are a picture of what we see all too often in our churches today we see people who follow God for a while and when there is a spiritual void within their lives they turn away from God and they seek their own ways they seek their own ways of doing things For some, it's perhaps the death of a special loved one. When my husband died or when my wife died, or oh, well, things don't make sense anymore. Maybe for some, it's a parent or a grandparent who has died, and the moment they've died, nothing makes sense anymore. So at the end of the day, what do you do? You go back to your old ways. You go back to what you're used to. This is what happened to Israel. The man who was guiding them has died and they've turned away from faith. They've turned away from God. In in verse two, when Israel rebelled against God, God responded by giving them over to their enemies for punishment. The Bible says he sold them. This means to turn over, to give them up. In other words, God reached a place where He says, You want to go your way? If you continue going this way, which is your way, it will lead to destruction. This is what God is doing. In other words, God abandoned them to the life they chose for themselves. It's not God who has decided. God has said, if you continue with this way, it will lead to death. If you continue to this way, it will lead to death. This way leads to death. This way leads to destruction. But if you continue my way, it will go well for you. They paid a terrible price for their rebellion. And I don't know how God will work in your life, or even I don't quite comprehend how God will work in my own life but I do know one thing for sure and one thing for sure is this if we continue to live in our sinful way it will lead us no way it will lead us far away from God it will lead us into misery it will lead us into something that we don't like and that's the caution that we find ourselves seeing in this particular passage And in verse 3 we read, surely when things don't go well, people will start to respond. And then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Typical people. Typical you and I. Once we follow a certain way that we have chosen for ourselves and things go wrong, we will turn to God and say, God, why have you forsaken me? All of a sudden it's about God. Of course, we know Israel was oppressed by Jabin and his enemies for 20 years as a result of what? The way they chose for themselves. And as far as Israel was concerned, Jabin was undefeatable. The helpless armies of Israel were no match to this man. If you read further in chapter 5, verse 8, the Israelites possessed no weapon compared to their enemies. They were conquered before they could even attempt. They were defeated. They were defeated people. They were people without hope. But eventually they came to the place where they were tired of the situation and they called on the Lord and, as always, what does God do when we call? He hears. But I want you to take notice of something here. Typical to us. And it will happen to us if we don't listen to God. We lead ourselves into a problem. When it gets tougher, we realize, oh my goodness, this is not good for us. We cry out to God for help. But do we turn away from God? that path or that thinking or that which leads us astray, we don't. We just seem to be saying, God, rescue me from this. Israel never seemed to realize that walking with the Lord and honoring his word and his ways brought them blessings. They never realized that rebellion and wickedness was something that was bad for them. It was always leading them astray. Most people in our day never learn that lesson. People call on the name of the Lord so that he would deliver them, he would deliver us from our problems. But we never really address the root of the problem. Lord, look at where I am today. I've been lying all my life. I want to turn away from this lying business. We don't do that. We will say, Lord, you have forsaken me. We will quote scripture and get to say, God, you promise I will never leave you nor forsake you. But we don't get to quote that passage in context to say, if we continue to walk according to the will of God and according to the ways of God, God will never leave us nor forsake us. We'll quote it out of context and say, God, you've promised You have promised, and in fact, you've been so faithful in all our life as a church. We don't address the heart of the matter. So this is the context we are coming from. So the question is: what did what kind of ministry was given by Deborah? In verse 4 and 5, we read of her position. The Bible is very clear. Deborah was both a prophetess and a judge. Wow. Prophetess and judge, all in one. Her name, Deborah, means bee. And she was as busy as a bee. One of the commentators, Matthew Henry, says that her very name suggests the work of the bee. In other words, industrious, sharp perception. She was so much discerning. She could do checks and balances. She constantly checked from God. What are you saying, God, about this? She was very sharp when it comes to her enemies as a leader. And of course, the word prophetess suggests that she received what? Instructions from the Lord. And for one to receive instructions from the Lord, it means you've got a relationship with God. She had a relationship with God. And of course, in case some of us who don't read their Bible well, we may think, oh, wow, what a great prophet. We've never heard of prophetesses in the Bible. Well, there are plenty. And plenty is two plus, by the way. We know in Exodus of Miriam, who was also a prophetess. We know in Second Kings of Howdah or Huda, however you want to pronounce it. In the New Testament you you, you hear of Anna, and of course you hear in Acts twenty one of the four daughters of Philip, there were plenty of prophetesses in the Bible and the word judge suggests she settled disputes among the people of Israel. And amazing, I mean, as an African, one of the things that we saw, and I can almost see the, differ- the, the similarities, is disputes in Africa are settled under a tree. And I, when I read that, I was like, oh, I can identify with that. But the difference this time around is the woman is leading, and she's in charge. Where I grew up, not so many times you would find women in, in charge of such disputes. They came to her with their problems, and she rendered judgment, and she would spend time, if you, if you read around, you don't get really a glimpse and a sense of the full picture, but she can't be a judge, a good judge of that nature without that connection with God. In verse 6 and 7, we get to hear of a prophecy. Deborah receives a word from the Lord and she calls Barak to take 10,000 soldiers and to go to war against the enemies. They have heard enough, they have heard it up to here. And the, the Lord promises to defeat Sisera. God promises a great victory through the message God gives through Deborah. So, of course, she's, she's given the message and unfortunately, Barak on the other hand, he's a man, typical men don't take easily leadership, eh? Look at one. This is a peculiar one where after she is given what the Lord has said, Barak says, well, if you don't go with me, I will not go. That's that's not typical, right? Men would say, okay, I'll sort it out. But this one was a good man to display the goodness of God because he refused to go without, without the leader. Just to help you, in context, normally a leader of Deborah's nature, after proclaiming victory, you would, you would think that the subordinate would just go with it. No. The subordinate would say, if this is surely from the Lord, you need to be part of the package. You need to lead your people to war. That's why. So he's, he's really in context. He's really living according to what the typical times could tell in terms of how wars were, 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 were done. A leader would lead, not only from behind or tell people that go and you're going to face a victory. No, you would then lead. That's why Balak had to respond the way he did. And then we know that he went. But there's something we need to, to take note of here, especially about God. In verse 15, we read this. When Barak attacked with his army, the Lord threw Sisera into confusion together with all his chariots and men. God is a faithful God that when he speaks, he keeps his word. Do you see that coming out clearly? He's a faithful God. And he has delivered what he has promised through his word. And seeing that his army was defeated, of course, Sarah fled the battlefield on foot. He went to the tent of a man named Heber, who was the Canaanites. The Canaanites were a people or a group of people who had aligned themselves with Israel. Now this particular family, however, had turned on the rest of the tribe and took besides They took taken sides with Sisera and his army. And I want you to see something of leadership here that comes out about this woman, Jael. The man who leads the house has led to a point of saying, we take sides, but here is a woman of God who does something different. And of course, in verse 18, Sisera asked Jael for, for a drink. of a drink. Asking for a drink was a sign to show that we are all good here. But Jael offers milk, which serves two purposes. One, it is the mind of Sisera to say, I'm going to give you more than water. Water is the basic commodity anybody could get, but milk was given to someone you're comfortable with. Secondly, the milk would would have helped him to fall asleep, of course. She's a woman who has got a strategy. She knows what she's doing. And of course, we see the whole picture of how. It looks very dramatic and action-packed. I could imagine seeing how she is... Doing that, and I think I can see some of you are really getting, you don't like the picture there. So Jael was used by God. What a woman! Two incredible women used in two different ways. The story of Deborah in chapter 4 teaches us several important lessons about serving God. It shows that God can use unexpected individuals and that we should not underestimate ourselves or others based on societal norms. It doesn't matter what the society says. Sometimes you need to step up. It's not the minister's job. When God speaks to you, stand up and say what God has used you for. Look at the partnership of Deborah and Barak. Of course, Barak is a man, he's, he's like saying, you are the leader, let's go together. But that partnership is amazing. But lastly, the story assures us that God is a just God. He's a God who sticks to his word. He keeps his word. And I want to end with this one day Jesus is coming and when he does he's he's going to say to all of us as his children look come let's go home and when we get there we will stand before him and give an account of all our service to him and the question he's going to ask you is have you Use that which I laid on on your heart or upon your life as a gift to the society, to this church. How would you respond? God is calling you today to use your gift. And I pray that God would help you to do the right thing in terms of that gift that he has laid on you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, heads and Graham is going to
3: lead us in prayer. Let's join together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we confess that our hearts and our minds are often full of the wrong things. We confess that our actions often make us unfit to even tie your sandals. But we rejoice today in your promise to us. We rejoice that you were born for us. We rejoice that you healed for us. And we rejoice that you taught for us. As we enter the week ahead, remind us of our faith in you. And remind us that that is all that we need to take. We pray that you make us active and living in our faith. That like Deborah and Jail, we look for situations where you can use us. Where we can be part of the solution to the problems in the world. We pray this week for situations close to home and far away. We pray for the continuing situation in Gaza and we pray that your mighty hand may be felt bringing peace and understanding to a region where there is little. We pray close to home for those sleeping rough on our streets of our cities. As we see an increase in those numbers, we're reminded that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We pray as well for our church and for all the churches in this area that are going through voting and of times of change. For some, this may be exciting and may be new and interesting. For others, it may be incredibly upsetting and unnerving as places that were dear to them are closed down. We pray for your peace and your love to go to people who are hurting in this week. And in a moment of silence, we lift up to you the names of people who are on our hearts this week. Use us, Lord Jesus. Help us to be part of the solution to our own prayers and the prayers of our neighbours. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll now join together to sing our closing hymn, Ye Servants of God.
0: Of God surround you and fill your hearts as you seek to serve him faithfully. May you find strength and courage to step out in boldness when called upon, trusting in his guidance and provision. May you experience the joy of collaboration and teamwork as you work alongside others to accomplish God's purposes. May his justice prevail in your life and in a world around you, bringing healing and restoration. May you be a vessel of God's love and light, shining brightly in the midst of darkness. May his blessing be upon you today and all the days to come.